Hello, and welcome to Building Brand You, the show where we help you to accelerate your success, getting you more clients, more revenue, more business, and more opportunities by unlocking your greatest asset, you. My name is Kim Hamer. I'm an international business coach, a recognized global expert on leadership, visibility, and personal branding, and I designed this podcast for you to help you unlock what you already have and to give you a whole host of tools and techniques that you can implement in order to accelerate your success and build your own brand you. At Building Brand You, we are all about taking action. And to help you do that, in addition to this podcast, we publish exclusive material, special offers, and behind-the-scenes content in our newsletter, Brand You Unlocked. And if you'd like to find out more about our Building Brand You coaching programs, you can book a free 20-minute call with me, where we'll explore where you are and whether Building Brand You coaching is the right fit for you. You'll find both of these links, as well as many others, in the show notes. So let's unlock this episode and lift the lid on what's next in Building Brand You. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special feature-length episode of Building Brand You. I am absolutely delighted to be joined by my special guest, Dr. Alan Barnard. Alan is an entrepreneur, philanthropist, strategy advisor, and research scientist. He is also an app developer, author, teacher, podcaster, and lifelong learner. Alan is considered one of the world's leading decision scientists and theory of constraints experts. His research focuses on understanding why good people make and often repeat bad decisions and how to avoid that. Alan is the CEO of Gold Rat Research Labs, created to help individuals and organizations make better, faster decisions when it really matters. From their research, Alan and his team have developed the range of award-winning Harmony Decision Maker, Harmony Change Maker, and Harmony Change Simulator apps. Their clients include Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, and people from over 70 countries using their apps to make difficult life and business decisions. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Alan Barnard. Well, hello, Alan. How are you today? I'm doing really, really well. Thank you so much, Kim. It's lovely to have you back on Building Brand You. You're our first guest expert ever that's come back for a second time. Well, that's been invited back for a second time, I should say. <laughs> I feel incredibly honoured. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, we had, I think we had such a great conversation last time and there were, there were just so many other questions, I think, um, that when I started to put together this season and I started to think about how we can develop you know, that, that flow and fluidity in our business. I really, you know, thought back to some of the things that we talked about, but didn't have the chance to expand on um, in uh, season three. So um, welcome back again. Uh, so just in case people didn't listen to that amazing episode we did before, um, I'm going to hand the mic over to you and let you um, just tell people a little bit about who you are, your story, um, and take it from there. So my name is uh, Alan Barnard. I'm CEO of Golden Research Labs. And I just have always been fascinated about decision-making. 
why good people make and often repeat bad decisions. And that's what my research lab does, is we do research in this field, uh, not just at an individual level, but also at a company level or organization level, to try and understand why people make and often repeat avoidable mistakes in, in business. So if you think about from a personal perspective, we can make a mistake by the way that we react to a situation, right? We can overreact and underreact. That's pretty much in our control. So once we become aware of it, we can think about what would be the best possible, not reaction, but response, right? Something that will give us a big upside if it works, small downside if it doesn't. In a business, um, an avoidable decision mistake could be that I overpurchase something and now I'm stuck with a lot of inventory that I then have to discount. So from a business perspective, what we've done over the past two decades or so is to identify those critical decisions that companies make within planning. Those are all the decisions that you, that you make before you start doing anything, whether you're a retailer, a distributor, a manufacturer, you know, a high-tech company, construction, mine, it doesn't matter. There's decisions we make in planning there's decisions we make in execution. So while the work is going on, how do we prioritize? How do we perform the work? And then there's decisions that we make in the feedback side, which is the improvement. What am I going to do differently? And over the over this last two decades, we've identified what are the key decisions that are being made that are very consequential. What are the avoidable and consequential mistakes that are being made? And then we've developed a range of, of decision support methods and apps to help people make better, faster decisions when it really matters. So that's a little bit of background, but there's a critical link between decision-making and constraints or bottlenecks. And uh, that's probably what we'll explore a little bit more today is that when you think about what's the scarce resource that's involved in decision-making, it's essentially our limited attention. So mm -hmm. it's we always will have more things that demand our attention than what we have available attention for. Mm. And as a result, we have to be extremely careful how we allocate that attention. Don't allocate it to things and, and people that are not going to help you or maybe even harm you, right? Allocate it to those that, that really matters and allocate it in a way that you get into flow. And that's a critical part of the discussion. So whether you're thinking about a business where you want the materials to just flow through the system, right? You want it to convert those inputs into outputs as quickly as possible and as much as possible at the lowest cost of investment. When it comes to decision-making, it's kind of the same thing. We, we have an outcome that we are looking for, right? We want to achieve some kind of goal, make some kind of decision. And we know when, if we can put ourselves in a state of mind of flow, which is those hyper-productive moments that we've all experienced where literally you're not aware of time or anything going by, but you end up doing like two weeks worth of work in two hours, right? Mm. It's the same thing. It's essentially figuring out what can make the flow of work or information go undistracted. As soon as we get distracted and they're stopping and starting, we pay a massive penalty for that. So that's kind of the link between these two is if we can get our mind in flow, we become hyper productive. Mm. If we can get our business 
in a state of flow where whatever products or services that we're providing are just flowing through the system. There's no stopping or starting or getting distracted. That's the highest level of productivity within the business. And if we can achieve highest productivity, we can also achieve highest profitability. Mm. Yeah, I think this is going to be um, a really great discussion for our listeners, uh, Alan, because I think one of the things we, we've all, uh, you know, many of us have experienced working in very structured businesses, and we, we all know that, that flow doesn't always happen in those businesses. But, but being a, a smaller business or an entrepreneur uh, with a small team, I, I think sometimes flow feels like it goes out the window because it feels like it's either just you, you've got so many priorities. And as you said, so little attention, um, you, you might have a small team, but they're all doing different things. So that's all disconnected. Uh, we're trying to sort of be in the business and on the business at the same time. Right. So, you know, how, how are we thinking about the long term versus the short term? So it's a, it's quite a melting pot, I think, um, particularly, I think, for, for entrepreneurs and, and smaller businesses, consultants, that sort of thing. Um, what's been sort of, have you seen much difference uh, in the, I guess, in the challenges between sort of the, the big corporates you've worked with versus some of the smaller, perhaps, entrepreneurial businesses in terms of how they perhaps either get into flow or not? Mm. I think the, um, it's like any system, the more parts there are, the more important synchronization between the parts become, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of, if you think about a single musician with a single musical instrument, right? They can just focus on themselves being in harmony and in flow, mm -hmm. right? But mm -hmm. as soon as you have an orchestra and the more members of that orchestra there are, the more critical the sheet of music becomes, because that sheet of music tells each of that the parts of the orchestra when to come in for how long to stay exactly what to do so that you get harmony at the end so so that's really the 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 only fundamental difference is the bigger the organization becomes the more parts there are and the more critical synchronization becomes mm. you know if you're a small business and it's just you or just you and an assistant synchronization is relatively simple Mm. But if you have a very large business with thousands of people involved, then synchronization is quite a challenge. Mm. And, and a lot of the potential performance is lost purely because of, of poor synchronization. Mm. It's, if you think about the assembly of a car, right? Mm. Mm. If you miss one part, you can't assemble. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh, that's the essence. It doesn't matter. You have everything else. You miss one part, you can't assemble. Yeah. The same with a project, right? You miss one part, you can't finish the project. Yeah. So, so that to me is the only fundamental difference is the larger the system becomes, the more critical it is to pay attention to synchronization. Mm, and I really like there what you said about, um, uh, you know, thinking about the system, that the, the sheet of music was a great analogy, I think, for, for thinking about, you know, I can play by myself, but the more people that get involved, we actually need more sheets of music, actually. We can't all even stand around the one sheet. So how do we develop that into something that extends across a, you know, a much bigger uh, audience or, yeah. 
and and that's a that's the biggest mistake that we all make. So when we when we look at systems and we say, well, what's the fundamental mistake that you make is whether it's at an individual level or at an organization level, if we make decisions using rules that are causing local optimization or short-term optimization at the expense of system-wide or long-term optimization, that's the fundamental mistake that we make, right? So you think about multitasking, why do we multitask, right? It's very uncomfortable for us to say no or not now. So it's a kind of a local optimal rule that causes us to multitask. Mm. The same thing in an organization, right? Mm. So when you have parts that are doing what's good for the part and not good for the system, you get suboptimum performance. Mm. The sheet of music is the way to prevent that. Mm. Right? As imagine you have this um, a musician sitting there with this very expensive violin, Stratovarius violin, right? You want to optimize the utilization of that resource. They want to play all the time, but no. The suit of music only calls you to play at the right time, at the right moment to achieve the goal of the system. Mm. And that's essentially what a sheet of music does. So a good plan, a good business strategy does exactly that. It's very clear about the goal that you're trying to achieve, what you want to achieve, by when, for who, mm. and then what are all the contributions that are needed and when they are needed that are most critical. And that's essentially what flow then describes. As flow means we're all going in the right direction. We all know when our contributions are required and there's clear incentive and disincentives to discourage local optimization or short-term optimization. Mm. And how common do you think true flow is in business? It's, um, I think maybe for the, for the audience, it might be useful to just define a little bit about what we mean by flow. Yeah, right? absolutely. So there's two dimensions in flow. The first one is the flow time. So I, I want you to picture a box that describes the system. That could be just me or you as the business owner, right? And there's inputs. As soon as those inputs arrive, that, that could be work that arrives that we have to now do in order to create a product or service until it exits as a deliverable or complete product or service. The total time it spends in our box is the total flow time, mm -hmm. right? Now flow, there's a theoretical minimum for flow time. Okay. which is the actual touch time it takes me to do the work. Okay. Right. So I, I wanted to think about, we recently worked with a government agency that produces passports, right? Lead time, the total flow time to prepare a passport from the moment that you apply for your passport until you get it with two months, right? That's mm -hmm. a total flow time. That, that thing is sitting stuck somewhere in the system, right? Now, what's a theoretical minimum? To prepare ah. what how many how many how much time do you think it takes them to actually prepare your passport oh it's probably an hour or something like that the most complex case is uh, two hours oh right? wow <laughs> so that's the theoretical minimum and essentially yeah. what when we're thinking about the potential for improvement we're comparing those two numbers the actual time stuff is in the system is two months. The theoretical minimum is two hours. Wow. 
that's the opportunity for improvement. Yeah. Right. So that's when it comes to flow time. You can apply the same thing from a decision making perspective, right? If if you're thinking about, you know, what's the best way to grow your business, right? If you had everything that you needed to make that decision, you'll find that there's probably few options, even though it might look over, but there's really few options of how to grow your business, you know, get existing customers to pay more, buy more, buy more frequently, like Jay Abram would say, right? Yeah. Like, that's my choices. If I had all the information, it'd probably take me a few hours to make that decision. But how long does it actually take? Months. Mm. right yeah. that's the opportunity for improvement to reduce flow time yeah the second way of measuring flow is flow rate okay. it's the amount of stuff that we do within a specific time okay and when you're thinking about what is the maximum flow rate that i can achieve in a system mm. that is essentially determined by your bottleneck capacity yeah Right. Okay. So if my bottleneck can do 10 things per hour, mm. that becomes my theoretical maximum. To, yeah. to go above that, I would have to buy additional resource, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. I have to scale myself or bring in more people if I have a bottleneck in sales, etc. But the question is, how much am I actually getting out? Mm. And what you'll normally find is it's a it's a fraction of that theoretical best. Okay. So if you think about your capacity is determined by your limited attention, right? Now, theoretically, during normal work hours, you have eight or nine work hours, right? If I said to you, Kim, how much of that time do you spend in flow? Oh. Right? Yeah. And flow is that state of mind. Yeah. When you're undistracted, you have everything that you need to mm. do the work. Mm. You become hyperproductive and it actually helps you to make progress towards the goals that are meaningful to you, right? Yeah, yeah. So now if I say to you, Kim, how many hours per day do you find yourself in that state of mind? Oh, I, I want to say it depends on the day and what I'm doing. Right. Actually. So, so say worst, worst case. Worst case scenario, I might spend um, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. My worst case is zero. Oh, really? Right? Think about that. How many yeah. days go by and you feel like I've made no progress towards any of my meaningful goals. I got distracted with all sorts of stuff. Mm. So the, at least for my case and, and many other entrepreneurs I speak to, the, the worst case is zero. The best case is normally a couple of hours. Really? Right? right? So, so mm. now you have the situation where the capacity... The, the flow rate of work mm. going through you is determined by the amount of attention you have available, which yeah. is theoretically eight or nine hours, right? Yes. Um, yeah. For people that don't sleep much and work after hours, it could be more. But yeah. The, the potential improvement, if you say on average are only spending one or two hours and you've got eight hours available. Oh, there's six hours in there. Right. That's a huge, you can triple your yeah. output. Mm. And we find the same thing when it comes to factories and operations. Is mm. that when we compare the, the theoretical capacity of the bottleneck with the output of the system, mm. it's seldom more than 50 to 60% of mm. that. And that means it's theoretically possible in many cases to double the output without adding additional resources. 
that's so, so that's kind of the, the way to think about flow is to say, okay, which is most important? Is it to reduce the time it takes me to get work done? Mm. That's a flow time improvement objective. Mm. Or am I okay with the time it takes me to get the work done? I just want more work done. Why not? Right. I want to improve my output, my flow rate. Right, yes. Now, how do I know what's the potential for improvement? When it comes to flow time, compare the actual work time or touch time mm. with the actual time it takes. And what yeah. you'll often find is this shock. Oh, my God. It's taken us two months to do this, but the actual work time is a couple of hours. Yeah. Hold, you know, there's like 90% opportunity there to compress the lead time, right? Yeah. When it comes to flow rate, do the same thing. To say what actually determines my capacity of the system there's a bottleneck right if it's a single person it's very simple it's attention yeah. if it's a wider system it could be if i have a, a sales constraint it could be the amount of capacity of my sales team but this the the the, the potentialism is determined by how much of that capacity are they actually using to make progress towards the goal and there's normally a big gap there mm. so that to is think about flow time flow rate two different dimensions which one do you want to improve what is the potential improvement yeah. and then the third aspect is where do we lose time or capacity mm. okay right? so in both of those cases there's number one that we always advise whenever we start a project, whether it's working with a big company like Microsoft or a small entrepreneur, is by far the most time and capacity are wasted by doing things that we shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So first of all, identify all the things that take up your time and attention and budget, write them down. Yep. Do some kind of logical check. Are these things actually helping me to achieve the goal that I've got? Yeah. And if not, stop them. And why is it so important? Because we can't expect ourselves or our team to start doing things if we haven't told them what to stop doing. Yeah. Most people are not sitting fiddling around, right? Most of us feel busy all the time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there's this backlog that's of things to do on our list that's that feels that's not just large but growing. Yes. So unless I can go back to that backlog and say what to stop doing, mm. I'm not going to have the capacity and the time and the budget to start doing. And it's here just a warning to the audience. You know, people tell you, you know, take your, your to-do list and prioritize it. Prioritization just changes the sequence in the queue. Yeah. It doesn't shorten the queue. Yeah. That's a, that's a great analogy. <laughs> right? Yeah. We have to figure out a way of getting rid of most of the backlog that requires our scarcest resources, whether it's our limited attention or, or budget or, you know, some kind of capacity constraint in our, in our business is to, to figure out what to stop doing. Mm. That mm. then gives us potential that we can then apply to those things that can actually make a big difference. Yeah. And I think the other thing that occurs to me too in that is that there's identifying the things to stop doing, but then there's getting agreement on it. Absolutely. Because you were talking before about the, the difference between really localized versus more system um, yes. based stuff and, and I my experience both in in corporates and even in my my own business only have four people um, is sometimes what happens is you think you've made a call about okay we're going to stop doing this or and, and then all of a sudden you kind of go 
yeah, why are you still why working? Why is that still going? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's a great point. Is, um, you know, we the last time I talked to you about this big epiphany that I had about uh, um, this question that can change everything. How do you achieve an impossible goal? Mm. You have a goal that you decide is kind of impossible to achieve either because the time is too short or the magnitude is too big and then you ask yourself this question it's impossible unless yeah <laughs> and what it forces the brain to do is to then figure out what are these unless conditions that make the impossible suddenly possible mm. but the, the background story to that is a good example i was called in to work with this mining group to kind of help them figure out a way of de-bottlenecking their mining operation. I wasn't told what the goal was. Uh, when I arrived, I saw these group of angry miners and the last thing they wanted to do is to listen to some kind of presentation about you know bottleneck theory of constraint theory. So I said to them, what's the issue? They said, we have a target to achieve every year, 12 million tons of output. That's my flow rate, right? I have to achieve 12 million tons in a year. That's my flow rate. So it was clear to me that the goal related to flow rate, the amount of stuff that their system has to do. I said, okay, so what's the problem? I said, we're in month four and we had 3 million tons. We already have a million tons behind. If we're going to continue at this flow rate, we'll end up with 9 million tons. We need 12. Right. I said, and what will happen if that's the case? Most of us will be fired. We'll have to pay penalties to con to contracts, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, mm. So now imagine yourself in that situation. You know nothing about mining. All that you now know is that's the problem. If yeah. they can't solve this problem, nothing else matters. Mm. So what I asked them to do is to say, I want you to write down on a flip chart, a specific page, and in any initiative that is taking up a significant amount of your and your team's attention, time, and budget and put it, stick it onto the wall. When they got, it was a big mining company. So they, there was about, when they got to about a hundred, I stopped them, right? I said, okay, <laughs> this is a lot of stuff going on here, right? And then I said, now I'm going to ask you a really, really hard question. It's kind of, you know, below the belt question. We've just agreed that the number one thing problem the one thing that you have to solve is this problem where you're going to end up with nine million tons you need 12 million i want you to go and write on each of these flip chart pages exactly how many additional tons that initiative is going to give you that program is going to give you that change is going to give you and you can imagine what happened three of the hundred actually would have helped them to produce more tons three three percent wow all the other stuff was compliance issues and all stuff that is urgent but not important. It didn't help there. So guess what my first piece of advice was? Stop the majority of those things because else you won't have the capacity and the budget to invest on those things that can actually help. Mm. Mm. And, and I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb for all of us. You know, When yeah. you find out that you either are not achieving the amount of stuff that you want. So the flow rate, there's a gap there, or you're not getting it done in the time that you want. Mm. Let's realize that there's a big potential and that potential mostly is being wasted by you doing stuff that's not helpful. Mm. List them with your team, agree to stop them. 
Yeah. And then figure out what are the few small things that you can do that can actually increase your flow rate and, and reduce your flow time. Wow. It, it's This is a really um, timely conversation, Alan, because I have, um, so I have a, a remote team. Uh, two of the three have never done a performance review before or set their own objectives. So I've just been through this sort of this process with them about identifying what the, the, the strategy and the key um, priorities are for the overall business. And then we went through with each of them and what they each have now is three key priorities. So, and and the, I said to them, I want you to go away and write, you know, a draft and objective. Um, and so the, the guy who's in a full-time job and works in sales nailed it because he understood what do I need to do? And he'd done it before. But the other two went backwards and forwards. We had an action list. We had, And I'm, I'm looking at it and going, no, 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 no. We need to go up the top and decide where we're going first. And then we can come back down and say, do these things actually further that or are they just busy things? So it was a really interesting exercise having come out of um, quite an objective-driven environment in um, lots of companies, particularly the last one was manufacturing, uh, to, to kind of uh, work with people who are not wired that way. And it was quite an interesting exercise to start saying, yeah. no, stop that. No, you won't be doing that. That's not your priority. So why do you think we don't want to let go of stuff? Why do you think that is? I think that, you know, there's there's obviously different personality types. So it requires a bit of understanding of the different personality types that that but there's there's few reasons. So one of them would be a very simple as is that nobody's told me what the priority is. Okay. That's right. So I'm doing three things for different people. They all want me to give them the highest priority. So I feel pressure to show progress on all three of them. Yeah. And as a result, everything takes longer. I much, I get much less done. I'm constantly switching between the one and the other. It feels chaotic. Uh, so that's the first part. So, so step number one would be that stop all the things that doesn't help mm -hmm. and leave them with the few things that are really important. Yeah. But if there's more than one on that list, make sure that they know which is the number one thing to do. Yeah. You, here's the basic principle. You can't get flow by doing many things at once. Mm. Right? Mm. Let's think about traffic in a single lane. Mm. Try to imagine you have a single lane, which is we have one brain, right? One processor. Yeah. We can only process one thing at a time. Now try to imagine you are putting multiple cars together in that single lane. You okay. can't get flow. They'll just get stuck. It stops right? and so starts and stops and starts like, yeah. okay, you go first. And that's essentially what happens when we are multitasking. Mm. The way to prevent that is to think of your mind as that bottleneck that everything has to go through and it can only go through one at a time. Yeah. So when there's a little backlog, get rid of all the stuff that shouldn't be going through this brain of mine. Mm. Yeah. That's step number one, but you'll still end up with more than one thing. Yeah. So you have to say which goes first. Yeah. And here again is a principle, maybe a little bit counterintuitive. It's, it's much more important to prioritize than how you prioritize. Mm. It sort of doesn't matter what it, the decision you make is, as long as one. you choose something. 
Exactly. Okay. Right? And yeah. get that done. And the same thing is true for team, right? If that if multiple people are working on the same type of thing, but all of them have got three things on their to-do list, right? Yeah. The chances that that by chance they will all be working on the same thing is almost zero. Mm. I'm going to be working on number one, you work on number two, you work on number three. We can't assemble anything because each each project misses one part. Yeah. What we should do is to say to the whole team, this is number one priority. Yes. If your contribution is not required on that, then this is number two priority. Then you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and how we make up that priority, it's just much more important that the priorities are synchronized than how we prioritize. We often spend way too much time thinking about how to prioritize rather than just prioritize. Yeah. But as soon as we get the flow going, yeah. right, everything will go, go faster. People will start feeling more productive. Yeah. Their, their sense of achievement will go up. Their happiness will go up. Mm. And that is that virtuous cycle of hyper-productivity. But yeah. as soon as you have, there's just too much stuff. I'm multitasking. I feel overwhelmed. I sometimes don't even know when to start, where to start. Yeah. And uh, everything just stops and starts. Yeah. And, and what about um, something that uh, I have suffered from and I've tried to rein myself in is shiny penny syndrome. It -hmm. is very easy uh, for some of us, I don't know what that percentage is, to get really hooked into, oh, that looks great. Oh, that's shiny new. Maybe I should do that. And one of the things that I really brought into my business last year was focus. Mm -hmm. I had three things that I said I would do in the year that I would produce in the year and if it didn't happen and and at first it took quite a lot for me not to get drawn into other things but but how you know how big a or I think the answer is it plays a big role in making the bottleneck narrower doesn't it because you fill it with more stuff and in and you don't choose I guess yeah it, yeah. it wastes critical capacity and uh, mm. um again it, it based on personality type but we all suffer from it right we yeah. all have our favorite way of being distracted yeah <laughs> and what tends to happen is that when we start feeling overwhelmed we get distracted easier because mm. we want to keep our mind busy Mm. So you look for distractions, right? So you Google something, you know, about the country that you're going to visit next. And the next moment you find yourself doing research about the history of the country and the <laughs> culture. And it's like, what the hell does this have to do? I just wanted to check what time zone they are in or something. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so we all have this tendency to be distracted. It's a kind of a protection mechanism mm. against us feeling overwhelmed. Okay. Right? Um, so there's a couple of ways of dealing with it. Uh, one would be to, if you realize that you are, you are most easily distracted by social media, find a way of switching it off, right? Um, if, if that's not practical, then time bucket it. Uh, give, know yourself and say, I'm going to spend 10 minutes every hour to take a break because I can't stay in this flow all the time, right? Yeah. Generally speaking, some people can stay in it for maximum uh, 30 minutes. Some people can stay in, in it up to three hours. But generally, we all have that kind of range. So yeah. practice it and then say, I need to take a break in any case. 
Let me then do that in a structured way of, okay, whatever that is watching YouTube videos about cats or checking your social media or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Catching up on your favorite Netflix thing, time bucket it. Because then it, again, it starts feeling more in control. It's when mm. there's no control over that, that it becomes rampant. And before you know it, you realize you spent six hours of your eight hours or your nine hours doing that stuff versus just time bucketing it. We all have that, right? Yeah. Uh, including myself, as I have my favorite distractions. Yeah. So I try to time bucket it. Um, and, and that's definitely helpful. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost like instead of going cold turkey, it's a bit like when you go on a diet or something and you, you yeah. strip everything out and then it is just so hard and then you have this big binge where, you know, yeah. you you know, you spend all this time eating all yeah, this and then food. Of course, you, find, you always yeah. find ways of rationalising it, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But if you just do a little bit, um, I started recently um, or a couple of months ago um, sort of this this whole sort of, program metabolic um, insulin reset thing but um, what's been really interesting is setting meal times and sticking to them um, and um, I was someone who always had breakfast but lunch was fluid and therefore dinner was fluid because if lunch was a bit later dinner was a bit later and and like making lunch a time bucket right has been actually really helpful because not only do I properly and well I put other things in it so I might have my lunch I might do some reading I might check my social media so it becomes an hour where I put other things in so I kind of get what you're saying about that that time bucket thing and then everything goes away the other thing I do is um my phone's on silent all the time which some people find very frustrating but I kind of say well you know I choose when you interrupt me right might sound really brutal but you know (laughs) If I'm in flow, I don't want to be interrupted by anybody. <laughs> or, or give them a special way, right? Just yeah. To say, uh, if there's really an emergency, here's the way to contact me if it's really an emergency. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I usually say to people, you'll find me on WhatsApp if you really need me. So let yeah. me know you're going to call and I'll pick it up. But um, random people I have to educate. So just, oh, just, just a quick call. I'm like, oh, no, it's not. So it's, you can see it's the same thing, right? It's just yeah. preventing that stopping and starting. Yes. Once I start doing something, I essentially want to complete it, right? Mm. We call it focus and finish, mm. right? Focus, okay, focus and finish. The one thing that's most important in terms of achieving the goal, which implies that you've you've agreed on the goal, right? Mm. If you haven't done that, then guess what your one thing should be is take the, the time the to on the goal, right? Um, once you have that, finish it. Uh, as soon as you get delayed, then figure out whose help do you need to get whatever you need in order to finish that thing, get it. And as soon as you get it, go back to it and finish it off and then start number two. But it's hard because we have this tendency of being distracted. Mm. We, we have you know, often the situation where we're doing stuff for multiple people and it's not clear what the priorities are. So that's where you come in as the leader as you have to set the priorities. Mm and help them essentially stay in flow. That's your primary job as a leader. Mm. Make sure that they know the priority, make sure that they know that you expect them to do one thing at a time, get it done before they start the next thing. And that as soon as they get stuck, they should tell you immediately so you can help them get unstuck. Yeah, yeah. Help them 
either make a decision about what should come yep. first or, exactly. or if something is too big, how do we break it down so you can manage it more? Uh, obviously, communication is a big part of this. Um, and, you know, and I'm thinking as a leader, obviously, uh, I think um, how uh, and how often you communicate um, expectations and your priorities and support your team in that. But I also think there's something to be said for acknowledging completion. I wonder whether as a, as a society, and I am certainly guilty of this, uh, I've had to put some practices in place to stop myself from it. So I'll complete something and then just move on. Yeah. Um, instead of stopping for a moment and going, okay, right, so I've completed that. I actually have a weekly list. Um, and it's not really, um, I, I prioritise in my calendar, but the list is about completion and acknowledging completion it takes like, you know, two seconds to do. But um, so I think there's a there's a wonderful book called The Progress Principle, which okay. is a research that was done to try and understand what are the core elements of happiness. Mm. And what they found out was that it really is driven by just one thing, which is feeling that you are making progress towards the goals that are important to you. Yeah. So it's not so much just celebrating achievement or completion for the sake of achievement or completion, mm. but celebrating progress towards a goal that's meaningful. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think that we do that enough for ourselves or with our teams mm. to actually take the time. And often people don't always realize how their contribution is helping set up something that, that might be a year away. Yeah. But I can feel that sense of progress. So so often the leader has to do that translation almost to say that on Friday we're celebrating, we've achieved this complete milestone. Let me remind you why this is so important. To yeah. 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 I, something I that struck me, you know, I've had the privilege of working with some of the most legendary CEOs, you know, in the world. And it always struck me how they almost started every single meeting by clarifying the goal. Mm. And then saying this meeting is about this decision or this, this activity. And this is why it's so important to make progress towards the goal. And then when there was celebration, it was always back to that, right? As we celebrating achievement of this milestone because it's helped us to make progress or it helped us to put in one of the necessary conditions that's required for that goal. And I think that's probably the most important role that the leader plays is to constantly remind them of, of what's the goal, what do we need to do? How can you help? Why is your contribution needed to make progress towards the goal and then to celebrate when we achieve those? Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's perfect. I, I would like to read you something. Last time when we spoke, we talked about Viktor Frankl and one of his, his quotes. I'm actually rereading um, Flow at the moment. Um, right. uh, in preparation for season five, I <laughs> thought I might reacquaint myself. But... Um, uh, Viktor Frankl actually uh, said this in the preface to his book, Man's Search for Meaning. Don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you're going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must ensue as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a course greater than oneself. 
Um, and what you just said, really, I sort of had it here wondering whether I might have the opportunity to share yeah. that. But, yeah. um, you know, what you just said was um, you know, really great. It's not just about completing something. It's understanding how it fits in that bigger, that bigger picture um, that, you know, you as a leader have this big picture about where you're going and what you're doing. And it's about translating that and saying, you all have a part to play in this and this is the part and, and we're doing this together. And that right. conversation about, I can't do this without you, just as you can't do this without me leading you. There's a, there's a beautiful graphic that I often, you know, reference that uh, Mikhail Cheksi, Mikhail, that, that this research, original research on flow created. Yeah. Um, so imagine the vertical axis representing the complexity of the tasks yep. that you have to complete, right? And the horizontal axis represents the level of skill that you have. Mm. And that there's this zone that sort of goes up 45 degree angle called flow. Yeah. And that's essentially when mm -hmm. the complexity of the task is matching your skill level. Yeah. Right now, for you to give your full attention to something or someone, mm. it must create that level of, of stress or anxiety where you realize that if you don't give this thing or this person your full attention, there will be consequences. Mm. That's what keeps you in that zone is, mm. you know, I get there by procrastinating, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> where you get to 11 o'clock at night and says, you have a presentation tomorrow. And you realize <laughs> that unless you give this thing now your 100% attention, you're going to be very embarrassed. Right? Yeah. So that gets me into flow. I wouldn't recommend it, but for me, it's very <laughs> effective. Right? But it's at that point where you realize, unless you give this thing or this person your full attention, you're mm. going to mess it up. Yeah. Now, if you think about what's above that flow zone and what's below it, right? Mm. So above the flow zone is you have something where the task is more complex than what the skill is that you've got. Mm. So that zone above this flow zone is kind of overwhelmed stress, anxiety. Yeah. Below the flow zone is where you have greater skill than what the task requires. Okay. And that represents boredom. Yeah, yeah. So what, what I would do and highly suggest is for yourself, but also with your team, is give them that picture and say what we want to do is to try and achieve as much flow as possible during the day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where you've taken the task, you know that it's, it's a high-priority task, that you have to give this thing your full attention. Yeah in order to make sure it's a success. Then to say, okay, so, but how do I deal with cases where I feel overwhelmed or stressed or anxious? Mm. How can I break this thing up into more manageable tasks? Who can I call yeah. that will help me think through it, right? So there's action plans related to that when I find myself in that overwhelmed, anxious mm. position because mm. it's, it's taken me out of flow. Yeah. I can't get back into flow as, as long as that's the case. Yeah. So I have to figure out a way of getting back into flow. The same thing is if I find myself in that bottom part, which is the boredom part, that's when I start, you know, chasing, you know, the shiny objects and being distracted with cat videos, et cetera. Yeah. To say, okay, 
if I find myself being bored, how do I deal with that? Like, if you ask me to fill in timesheets, there's very few greater punishments in the world. Oh, I remember to go that over a month and figure out, you know, what I spend my time on. So, if I find myself being bored, I will probably procrastinate doing it. I will wait too long, and then there's disaster. So, what I try to do is to say, okay, the last time it took me an hour to do this. How can I get it done in a half an hour? Yeah. So I'm adding complexity by reducing the time mm. or trying to get more done in the same period yeah. of time. That will take me out of that boredom. That will make it interesting. It makes it again. challenging, it doesn't it? Challenging yeah. again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that sense, I guess, we talked before about, you know, that the concept of progress, that we want to progress towards something. And, yeah. and that sort of sitting in that bottom part of the chart is about sort of, you know, I'm not progressing anywhere. And then the top part of the chart is feeling stuck. You yeah. know, like I can't get out of the, wood, you know, the wilderness. And that, that's often the, the, the issue is we, you know, when, when people feel overwhelmed, there's too much stuff on their plate. It's the, the, the almost shocking coping mechanism is then I get so overwhelmed that I don't do anything. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I would have had much more success if I just picked one random thing and start doing that and getting it done. And then I start feeling productive, like I'm at least making progress. Yeah. Um, but like I said, is my, my first step is not to pick one thing and start working on it, just to look at that backlog, really being critical at it and saying, which are the things that I can stop doing or not start doing at all? Yeah. Because they're not helping me. It's not part of that one thing that I need to do now to make meaningful progress to where I want to be. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So speaking of progress, um, it's been a few months since we actually um, talked on the podcast last time, Alan. So what are you sort of working on uh, at the moment? What's in, in your basket of goodies? Well, th there's two parts. The one is we're dealing with organizations, right? So uh, um, <laughs> there it's, it's about, you know, understanding the big wicked problems out there. So for project, companies, you know, why are projects still late and mostly over budget? These numbers have not changed. Depending on the type of industry, it's somewhere between 70 and 90% of all projects are late and over budget. Wow. And when it comes back, it comes back to the same issue that projects need to flow. The work required for projects shouldn't be waiting for resources. Mm. It should just flow through the system. Yeah. But it doesn't, it stops and starts because the work is waiting for resources. We overcommit, we take on too much stuff, we release stuff too soon. So it, it all boils down to, to flow as well. The same with, with the, on the other side, the supply chain side is we see shortages and surpluses at the retail level, mm. right? And that means that there's, again, the flow is not correct. Yeah. There should be a flow triggered by what customers actually want. Gosh. Not by us producing what makes us look efficient yeah. and cost low, right? Because then you end up with too much of the wrong stuff and too little of the right stuff. Exactly, so which again, costs. Which costs. So again, it comes back to flow, you know, so that's on the on the business side, but then on the individual side, it's the same thing is that we know that people can achieve a state of happiness when they feel they're making meaningful progress. Mm. A requirement to feel like you're making meaningful progress 
is to decide to decide what outcomes you want, what mm. the goals you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And then to say, how can I get into flow of achieving those goals? Um, so we're also doing a lot of research on the area of depression, you know, self-harm, et cetera. Mm. And it, it's fascinating because what, what we're learning more and more, it's not what happens to you in your life that causes harm. It's the meaning that you assign to what has happened to you. Mm. And that we actually are changing our past all the time by changing our memory of the past, mm. right? So you can have two people in the exact same position, brother and sister, both of them suffered horrible neglect or abuse. And one is dramatically impacted for the rest of their life by that. And that becomes part of their story. Every time you speak to them, they tell you what happened to them. And they use that as a justification for why they are currently in the state. Yeah. Right? Whereas the other person, the same thing happened to them, but they assigned a different meaning to it. Mm. They, they didn't assume that because they suffered neglect or abuse that there's something wrong with them. Mm. They assumed that there must have been something wrong with those that neglected or abused them. Mm. Yeah. And that allows them to move on. And that's again, it's, it's to think about all the things that distracts us from getting into flow. Mm. And it turns out the meaning that we give things that have happened to us in the past is a constant distraction. Mm. Yeah. So helping people assign different meaning to that is, mm. is a critical part of that recovery process. Wow. And, and so you're doing um, research on that area at the moment, are you? Yes, you know, we, we have the this Harmony Decision Maker app, which yeah. allows people to um, essentially go through a couple of steps uh, where it asks them all the right questions to help them make a better decision. But in the process, they discover limiting assumptions and beliefs that they have. Ah, yeah. And it's through that process that we can see how people think about themselves, what's at the core, you know, and and there's a very clear sign if you think about the difference between guilt and shame mm. very high correlation between addiction and depression and shame the very poor correlation between addiction and depression and guilt mm. and the reason is even though they feel very similar to us in terms of language guilt is when somebody that that believes they're a good person did a bad thing and yes. they feel guilty about it yeah shame is when a person feel that they're a bad person yeah yeah right so they they negatively impacted by all the the, the negative things that they do and they mm. never take credit for any of the positive things that they do because they view themselves as bad yeah right so so the process is, is okay can you discover what is my core belief about myself mm. And unfortunately, what happens is our mind is looking for evidence to support whatever we believe. Yes. Yeah. So the way to intervene with them is a very simple trick that says, if you believe you're at your core a bad person or person that's unlovable, not enough, not good enough, whatever the way is that you would describe that. Yeah. Write down the opposite of that. Mm. I am enough. Yeah. Now think about what evidence would you present to somebody to justify that? Yeah. 
And that's a kind of a disruptive question in mm. psychology that can get somebody out of that vicious cycle. Yeah, and get them back into flow. Yeah. Into flow again. Yeah. Which is, is what are the starting conditions, the enabling conditions that help me get into flow is that I view myself as good enough. I have a clear goal and I'm clear in terms of what I can do to make meaningful progress against that. All the rest are distractions. The deep, the, 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 the most harmful distractions is how I view myself and others. Mm. But that's often, you know, where you start is to say, okay, that's where we need to start. Because yeah. if you view yourself as somebody that's just not good enough, that's a bad person because of what you what happened to you, mm. realize that negative things happen to good people all the time. Yeah. Life like, isn't how fair. you respond <laughs> and the meaning that you assign to that makes all the difference. Yeah. 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 I think that's brilliant. And I think that's really pertinent, although we've been talking about, you know, a fairly, um, you know, a fairly poignant subject. I think, you know, you hear so often about, you know, entrepreneurs or all sorts of people who take on positions, not believing they're enough, imposter syndrome, all of those sorts of things. And I think that's really, it's a really useful link to think about it in terms of that's actually getting in the way of flow and your energy and, um, your happiness how you feel about your life and and how you express it so well, yeah. i think it's going back to that quote that you shared with victor Frankl is if if you started off with this very ambitious target right for many people it would be way too overwhelming mm. yeah to, to get there yeah as most entrepreneurs don't start with that huge thing as no. they, they have a sense of i want to make a contribution yeah i care about this Okay, what's the next thing I do? Let me deal with whatever obstacles faces me. And then 10 years later, you realize, oh my goodness, I've made this huge contribution. Whereas if you started with that as this huge target, people yeah. might be paralyzed to do it. So that to me is always the advice. It's just set the, set the goal that you're trying to achieve in a way that at least helps you to figure out which direction mm. to go. Right? Yeah. What are the things that will make you feel like I'm making progress towards that, even though it's fuzzy? Yeah. And then over time, you can start refining it. You know, what is your micro niche? Who do you yeah. want to help? You know, yeah. those are the type of things that you yeah. can do over time. Yeah. And it's really interesting you say that because I've been, um, it took me two years in my business before I would say I want to build a million dollar brand. I, it's like I couldn't say it. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite saying billion yet, but it'll come, it'll come. Right. <laughs> but it, you know, it, it is, a, I kind of went, I, I can't even think about that. I just, you know, sometimes it's just about doing the things that are in front of you and just keeping going towards right. the and bigger those, things. And those strict targets to me, they never set them in a way that it makes you feel like you're not committed to that. Yeah. Set them in a way that says, you know, if I set out to start a billion dollar brand, Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to say for someone in my position, it's impossible to do that unless. unless. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because yeah. that unless might give me the two or three things that if I could get that, I have the potential to do that. It might yeah. not get to the billion, but it might be much more than what I ever thought was possible. Yeah. So that's where, you know, ambitious targets is useful is they, they help you find the one thing. 
Yeah. If I said to you, you know, I wanted to increase the value of your brand by 5%, there's almost infinite ways that you can do that. Yeah. But if I said to you, I want you to triple the value of your brand or 10x it, right? Yeah, exactly. There's All very of a few like, ways wow. of getting to 10x. Yeah. And that's the value of having such big targets is to say, okay, it's impossible to do 10x unless... I stop doing a lot of things. I start doing other things. I prioritize exactly. some things and I get certain things in play. Like all of a sudden, it becomes yeah. a really simple equation when you say it like that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, another great conversation, Alan. Well, how do we do this? I tell you, you so many nuggets. Um, so, you know, you talked about uh, about the, the research and I know you've also been doing um, some online sort of decision-making um, training and, and all of that sort of thing. So, you know, what's coming up uh, for you over the um, sort of over the next six months? Yeah, it's, it's really looking at, you know, we uh, when we do research, we, we start off with some kind of wicked problem. Uh, mm. When we started this, that it's really easy to make bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's really hard to learn from our, our mistakes because there's lags in space and time between our decisions and the consequences, right? Yeah. So we tried to create a process. We tested the process. We then taught others to do it. And once we were comfortable, we'd convert it into an app. And it's really now getting more and more people to use the app and to think about how can we keep on simplifying it. It's okay. one of the things that sits on my office uh, on the wall is, you know, a quote from um, Antoine de Pereira, the, the author of Little Prince, right? And he said that a design is perfect, not when you cannot add anything more, but when you cannot take anything away. Wow. So that's kind of where our next focus is, is to say, right, so we know the process works, but when somebody from the outside looks at it, even though it's five steps, it can still be overwhelming. It, it's still time consuming. What can I take away? Is, is there other ways that we can simplify it, speed it up? Yeah. Because um, yeah. yeah. hopefully every time I can do that, I make it more accessible to people. Yeah. And so you make it more accessible to people who don't have access to it. And for exactly. those that do have access to it, get more gain, get more benefit. Absolutely. From that. Yeah. So that, well. that's going to be, we have a whole range of apps. You know, that's one of the simple ones. We have really advanced ones that allows big companies to model their whole project portfolios and supply chains. But it's all based on the similar thing is that we figured out that there's some reason why they make avoidable and consequential decision mistakes. And an app is a great way of guiding them through the process to reduce those avoidable decision mistakes when mm. it really matters. Yeah. Um, so test to see that it works and then go to hyper-simplify it. Yeah, perfect. So I'm about to ask you what, what nugget would you like to leave building around you listeners? Um, I don't know which one it's going to be because there've been loads, yeah. but th there's got to be something about keep it simple and stop doing the stuff you don't need to do or something like that. What, what would you, what would you like yeah, to leave us with? Uh, is, is to understand what are conditions that enables flow, right? Yeah. Is flow time is basically the work is flowing without stopping and starting. Mm -hmm. If you want to know how much potential there is for improvement, just compare the total current flow time with the touch time or work time. And what you'll find is that you'll always find that staggering number where 
you know, whether it's to produce a passport <laughs> or, or your product or service, you know, your yeah. online program or whatever, uh, is there's always a huge gap between how long it theoretically should take versus how long it actually takes. Yeah. It's kind of like traffic, right? If I go from destination A to B, I have a speed limit. I have a, dis I have a, uh, a distance, you know, if I have to travel 30 miles, and I can travel at 60 miles an hour, it should take me half an hour. But that journey can take three or four hours. Yeah. So where do I lose the time? Mm. And then when it comes to flow rate, which is the amount of stuff that I do, again, my bottleneck determines the upper limit of how yeah. much I can get done. But most systems are not close to that. They yeah. commonly only halfway there. So mm. where am I losing time and capacity right it's mm. mostly it's about doing stuff that is not needed or not yeah. needed now stop yeah. doing that stuff focus on a few things that you should be doing but there will always be more than one right so you can have a small queue if it's two or three or four or five yeah so when there's a queue remember it's much more important to prioritize than how to prioritize yeah pick one get it done, then do number two, then do number three. And if you are part of a team, then synchronizing those priorities becomes really critical. Make sure that everybody's working on the same thing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Great advice, great advice. And um, uh, if one, if people wanted to uh, sort of get in touch with you, um, I know that you, um, you do coaching, there's the apps, there's all sorts of things. There may even be some corporate people in the audience who, who'd like to de-bottleneck their business. So how would they get in touch with you, Alan? So um, we have a, a, our website for our apps is called harmonyapps.com. Mm. So that could be a great point. You'll see all the range of apps that we've developed. My personal website is drallenbarnard.com and our company website is uh, goldratresearchlabs.com. I also have a YouTube channel under Dr. Alan Barnard that there's a lot of free information, uh, hundreds and hundreds of hours of lectures and insights that we've gained for our research. And then we have the podcast series called Impossible Unless, where we take a specific topic that many people might think is impossible to achieve, and we essentially explore what are those unless conditions that will help you make the impossible possible so we, firstly we'll put all of that in the show notes and make sure people have access to them but I just want to say um, on the podcast uh, so I I've been sort of listening in and out and I tell you people it's more of a soundbite than even my sound bites are it's really short really crisp in sort of less than five minutes um, often three minutes um, you get sort of like a an aha so it's a really great one if you're stepping away making a cup of coffee when to come back to your desk and and have a bit of a bridge into something I would highly recommend it so yeah well Alan again Thank you for another fantastic conversation. I am so excited, uh, not just to have you back, but to have you kicking off um, as our first guest expert for season five on the Building Brand You podcast. Um, it is always wonderful to see you and to talk to you. Uh, so many nuggets for our listeners. So thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for listening to the Building Brand You podcast. I'm Kim Hamer. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. For all the latest news, hot tips, and special offers, you can become a member of the Building Brand You Facebook group. 
just type Building Brand New into the Facebook search box and request to join. You'll also find me on LinkedIn, where you can get your hands on my eight ways to build brand new for free. And to receive exclusive content direct to your inbox and be first in line for upcoming events, sign up to the Brand New Unlocked newsletter. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. I help people to accelerate their success by unlocking their greatest asset. If you'd like to find out how to unlock your reputation, your results, and your impact, book a free 20-minute coaching with Building Brand New call at calendly.com forward slash Kim Hamer forward slash BBY chat. Accelerate your results by unlocking your greatest asset, you.